Pray after me, with me. Let's see. Let's see if it's on the screen this week. There it is. You can pray along together. Say, Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Father, we do thank you, God, that your word is powerful. Lord, that it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it pierces, God, to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, God, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of our heart. And Father, we thank you, God, for your powerful word. Lord, may you give me the ability to declare it, God, with power today, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. So we have been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, this series is entitled, In Season Bearing Good Fruit. And um, our text has been in Galatians chapter 5, and we'll just read it one last time, starting at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now I'm going to say that again because if you're curious as to whether or not you have the fruit of the Spirit, ask yourself, this question as we read through this list. Are you walking in these attributes? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So if you want the expressway yesterday, shaking your fist, <laughs> probably need a little of that fruit. But anyway, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control, nothing in the Torah stands against such things. So today, we are going to be looking at the attribute of self-control. And although it's the last in the list, it is equally important for us to cultivate this in our lives as followers of Yeshua the Messiah. Um, listen, if you want to see if there's a lack of self-control in the world, just check the social media accounts, right? That people cannot control their tongue or, you know, they're, they're lashing out at people. People in our society today are out of control. And so the word of God says for followers of Yeshua that we are to exhibit the attribute of self-control. The Greek word enkratia which is translated self-control, means to exercise, hear this, complete control, not partial, complete control over one's desires and actions. An idiomatic equivalent would be to hold oneself in, to command oneself, to be chief of oneself to make one's heart be obedient, to command one's own desire, or to be the master of what one wants. The master. It means having power over all things, say all things, pertaining to self. Enkratia means dominion over self or something with the nuances of steadfastness and self-control. The word denotes control over sensual passions as well as other areas of our life. Self-control was one of the virtues most emphasized by philosophers 
and most respected in Roman society. Philosophers often taught that the wise needed no law to regulate them because their virtue itself was a law. The person, and prayerfully that's us as believers, who possess self-control has the ability to keep himself in check. The previous mention of, if we went to verse 19 in Galatians chapter 5, the previous mention of immorality, impurity, and indecency shows that it was very appropriate to list self-control as an opposing virtue. Of course, the reference is to other things as well, and those who truly exercise this virtue, hear, hear this, compel every thought to surrender itself in obedience to Messiah. Every thought. How many thoughts do you think in a minute? We compel every thought. We're in control of ourselves. Amen. Oh my. Self-control in this list no doubt refers to mastery over the desires and passions of self. Since the verb form of the noun is used in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 9, in the sense of controlling sexual desires, we are able to read that meaning here also. However, in this context, it means and has a broader context, including all things that pertain to our life. You ever hear the expression, that person's out of control? And perhaps we know some people out of control. And maybe they're not out of control in every area of their life, but they're certainly out of control in some areas of their life. Well, the fruit of self-control means that we are able to master, okay, every single area of our life. Matter of fact, um, Cal alluded to it when she uh, quoted Romans 6.14, where it says, For sin shall not be your master. Say that with me. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. This is important because the scripture says that God gives us the attribute or the virtue of self-control when the fruits of the spirit are living in our lives. Um, listen, we're going to tear through some scripture today. There's a ton of scripture today. So keep up, either here or on your phone or Bible, whatever. But let's, we're going to go through Scripture because I want you to see what the Scripture says. Now, this is a sobering thought here in Proverbs chapter 25. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In other words, it's like living our lives unprotected. It would be like going to war totally defenseless and unarmed. That wouldn't be a good thing, would it? <laughs> but that's what it's like if we don't have self-control. It says in 2 Timothy, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God's spirit gives us the ability to walk controlled, not out of control. Not out of control that we have this problem, and out of control that we have that problem, and out of control that we're compelled to see this or watch that or listen to that. 
No, it's self-controlled by the Spirit of the living God. Amen. But it's not just something that God does, right? It's something that we cooperate with God in. So in 2 Peter 1, it says, For this very reason, read that next verse, phrase with me, Make every effort. Selah. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. Listen, we have a lot of knowledgeable people in the word of God. You could turn on the TV and you could get lots of information and lots of knowledge about the word, about scriptures, all sorts of things. But we need to add self-control to that knowledge or else it's not going to help us very much. You see, this verse reveals our part of the equation. God has given the Ruach to indwell us. Baruch Hashem. But we must say, must cooperate with him. So here's my question to you. Are you cooperating with the Spirit of God? in this area of your life. By exercising self-control and saying no to the contrary desires and temptations that come on. You know, just because you're tempted or a thought pops into your head doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because your body has a desire for something, it doesn't mean you should have it. Ask Chava, ask Eve. She wanted that piece of fruit. She craved that piece of fruit. Right? Now, we all know the story. Should she have had the fruit? But Rabbi, I really want it. And I want it, and I should be able to have it. Well, <clears throat> here's the truth. You can have it. Just like Chaba had it. But how did it go when she had it? Not very well. It went very, very poorly. As a matter of fact, we can say it was a disaster. What a disaster her desire left unchecked caused in the world. Not good, right? We don't have to be a slave to our desires. See, that's the difference. God makes us master of our own ship that we could say yes, and we could also say no. Say no with me. No. no is a good word. Amen? Often believers expect God to do everything when in fact we must play an active role in seeing the fruit of self-control manifest in our lives. What this will mean for us here is victory. Victory. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. It's the same word in kratia. In all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, he says. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. Same form of the word. I have self-control over my body. My body doesn't tell me what to do and what not to do. 
My mind doesn't tell me what to do and what not to do. My body is in control completely and utterly. And I am in subject to God Almighty. So I can obey his will and his way. And why is this so important? Well, the end, says Peter, of all things is at hand. And he says with this, he can say a lot of things here, right? The end of all things at hand, get all your things in order, right? But look what he says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Self-control comes into play in our prayer life, enabling us to not only be effective in prayer and focus on prayer, but get into the place of prayer. I don't want to see a show of hands, but how many people prayed every day this week? No show of hands. But did you pray every day? Did you get to that important place of prayer? Were you controlled enough to say no to Fox News? <laughs> I know, that's a tough one. Were you controlled enough to wait to get down to the breakfast table? Are we controlled enough to put prayer first? Right, well, that's what the scripture says. Self-control. So, that was an introduction. <laughs> so here's a question, are we on cruise control or self-control when it comes to controlling, I'm gonna give you three things that we need to control. Are we on cruise control or self-control when it comes to controlling our tongue. Ouch. Controlling our tongue. Oh, yeah. I'm starting at verse 6, just for time. But read the whole chapter. This is what it basically says. You know how you have these big, huge cruise ships? Those things are massive. They're like floating, right, villages. They're steered by a very small rudder. That little rudder takes that big ship wherever it wants it to go. And it says your tongue and the words you speak are just like that. It's so little. That little thing hardly gets any airtime. It's always behind your teeth unless you stick your tongue out, which is odd, so don't do it. But that little tongue, man, wields a powerful sword. But for many people, we are not in control of our tongues. So in verse 6, it says, yes, the tongue is a fire, a world of wickedness. The tongue is so placed in our body that it defiles every part of it, setting ablaze the whole of our life. And it is set on fire by Gehinnom itself, hell. For people have tamed and continue to tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, but the tongue no man can tame. It is an unstable and evil thing full, full of death-dealing poison. With it we bless Adonai, the Father, and with it 
we curse people who are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brothers, say this with me. It isn't right. It's not right. It's not, what is he saying? It's not right that we can't control our tongues and don't control our tongues. It isn't right that we stand here in the morning and bless God and say, I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. And then we walk out in an hour from service, we're into it with someone saying a harsh or nasty word. That ain't right. It's not right for things to be this way, says Rav Shimon. Or Yaakov, I should say. A spring doesn't send forth fresh and bitter water from the same opening, does it? Can a fig tree yield olives, my brothers? or a grapevine figs, neither does salt water produce fresh. Controlling our tongues. And by the way, you know what that includes? Just curl your toes up real good, because the rabbi's coming through. It includes gossip. Yeah whiplashing people to someone else and saying things about them and get you know we do it all in the name of just that's just who I am just got to get it off my chest no you don't matter of fact it's better it kept in <laughs> you know the old adage you've probably heard a million times growing up if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all that's a real good rule to, to live by Really good. And if, you, and if you see something about someone, you know what the best thing to do is? Pray. Say, God, I see something in that person that, that looks like it's going to hurt them or damage them or, or cause them harm in their life. Help them. Show them. Reveal it to them. You see... Yaakov is not telling us that we cannot tame our tongue and we should give up, but is merely stating the importance, the role our tongue plays in our lives. Words are powerful. And God has given us the ability to control what is spoken out of our mouths. We can ruin many things. Hear this, because you know what? You might have done this in your life. We can ruin many things in our lives by the words we choose to speak. But we can also positively affect every aspect of our lives by using our tongues to speak life and truth over our families, over our situations, and over the world with great effectiveness. You see, sometimes I think we think that the Word of God is a cute little thing. Ooh, we're going to read a psalm today. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And, all, and we think it's like a cute little ditty that we put on our kitchen table or we, boom, stick to our refrigerator. No, these words are powerful words. They're powerful. They're life-changing world. You know, you know, think of what God said. 
Let there be light. What's so profound about that? What's profound about it is that the words that came out of his mouth were powerful, that they created something that wasn't. And I want to tell you there's a principle there, that the words that you speak out of your mouth create things. So go ahead, speak over negative things over a child all their life, and they're going to grow up with some issues. Conversely, speak life over a child all their life. Tell them that they can be who God called them to be. They can do what God said they can do. And that child will flourish. There is power in words. But guess what? If we don't learn how to control our tongues, we're going to do a lot of damage. I know what you're thinking. Because I'm going to say this. How do we do it? Is self-control means that we think and pray before we speak, even in the heat of the moment. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Rabbi, that's just impossible to do that in the heat of the moment. I just want to fly off the handle and say something. Well, it's only impossible because we have developed bad habits rooted in our flesh and have not exercised the muscle of self-control that God has given us to rule over our tongues. Okay? God has given... Hey, how many people have a bicep muscle? We all do. Some are strong, and some are weak. We've all been given the same equipment. Some exercise it, and it's strong. Some neglect it, and it's weak. God has given us the muscle of self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And if we exercise it, we will be able to control the words that come out of our mouth. Some of us are just negative Nellies. Negative, negative, negative. Oh, nothing works out. It's so bad. And that stinks. Uh, just terrible and awful and lousy and no one likes me and God hates me and oh, and I just can't get out of the rut I'm in. Listen, listen. I get it. Maybe you're not feeling terrific. But if you keep speaking that over your life, you're never going to feel great. And first of all, God made you. You're awesome. Just saying. Every gift in you that's awesome comes from God. He put it inside of you. He likes the way you look. He likes the way you sound. He likes every single solitary thing about you. Why don't you try saying that over yourself? God, I thank you that you made me just the way I am. God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that you saved me. God, I thank you that you put gifts in me. God, I thank you that you made me and put me in this family, that you gave me this congregation, whatever it is. Thank you, God. And you see what begins to happen in your life when you start to control the words that you speak. I know, that's just such a little thing, Rabbi. Well, we just learned from James that the little part of the ship steers the whole show. 
and we could steer our lives by the words that come out of our mouth. I want to tell you a poem that I found. Only a word of anger, but it wounded one sensitive heart. Only a word of sharp reproach, but it made the teardrops start. Only a hasty, thoughtless word, sarcastic and unkind, but it darkened the day before so bright and left a sting behind. How many of us have fell victim to that? But only a word of kindness, but it lightened one heart of its grief. Only a word of sympathy, but it brought one soul relief. Only a word of gentle cheer, and it flooded with radiant light, the pathway that seemed so dark before, and it made the day more bright. How many of us have experienced something like that? Someone spoke a life-giving word over you. You know, it doesn't have to be loud. Hey, you know what? You're awesome. If you're a parent and your kid comes up to you and says, hey, you're awesome. Let me tell you what that is. You start skipping around. Bink, bink. Whoa, I'm awesome? Bink. You're a great dad. Bink. It just lifts your heart. But the reverse of that's true too, right? You know, someone at work says, hey, you do lousy work. So, <laughs> You shrink, you shrivel. You're a good for nothing. We cower when we hear death, but we come and spring to life when we hear pleasant words. Amen? So, Mishlei, Proverbs 21 says, Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So maybe you and I can come to an agreement that we're going to guard our mouth and our tongue and save us from a lot of trouble. Amen? So let me give you the second point. We are on cruise control or self-control when it comes to controlling not only our tongue but our thoughts. Okay? For as a man thinks in his heart... What does it say? So is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And let me tell you this. What you think in your heart shows up in your countenance. The things that you mull over all day long show up in the person you present to the world. To the surprise of many of you, we are in control of what we think about and dwell upon. It is true that we do not have total control over the fiery darts that might come into our mind, but we do have control over whether they stay or not. Right? Scripture says that the enemy shoots fiery darts at us, so you might have a thought that is totally not your thought. Who knows where it comes from? And we have no control of, over that, the thoughts, some of the thoughts that spring into our mind. And trust me, you know, you sit there and you watch TV and 99% of it's junk. And thoughts pop into your brain, gee, I wonder where they're coming from. 
and you don't have control over what they program on TV. <laughs> but you do have control as to what stays and plays on the recorder of your mind and your thoughts. What are you thinking about? Ask yourself, what are you thinking about? In your heart of hearts, what are you thinking about all day long? Hear me closely. Not every thought that comes into your mind is yours, but you can choose to let them go and not dwell on them. You see, the enemy wants us to think on things that are contrary to God and his word. This comes through every conceivable avenue and engages our senses. You might never have thought about that new car until you saw it on the commercial. And it sowed that seed into your thinking. Now a car is an innocent, right, thing. It's an innocent little thing, unless you can't afford it. <laughs> then it's not an innocent thing, but you know, that's an innocent thing. But what about anti-God rhetoric in schools and universities? What about sexual perversions that are streamed into our homes and then recited by our young people as gospel truth? What about those? You see, these ideologies are meant to get us thinking and ultimately doubting God in his ways. The serpent immediately challenged Chava, Eve, as to what God said and then sowed a false narrative of God's motive. You would think that Chava was going to the University of the Garden of Eden. And in that university, Hasatan came and said, hey, 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 Chava, did God really say that? <laughs> no. No, let me, let me give you, this is philosophy 101, Kava. He told you that because he wants to be the big cheese. And he doesn't want you to know all the secret sauce. So let me tell you, Kava, <laughs> eat the fruit. It's good stuff. Because when you eat it, you're going to be as smart as God. And Chava, being a good university student, said, okay, that must be true. God must be, he must be that. So she went over and took the fruit and ate it. Did her homework. How'd that turn out? We've been paying for that ever since. How'd that turn out? Not so good. False narrative of God's motive. Ultimately, Chava dwelt on the lie and acted out accordingly. She was dwelling upon the lie of the enemy. And her thoughts were filled with, yeah, that dirty dog God, he just wants it all and wants to keep me from all this wisdom and greatness. And she acted out according to her thoughts. Do you know what the new covenant calls the enemy, Hasatan? He's called the prince of the power of the air. That's what he's called. 
and our airwaves are filling people's minds with thoughts and ideologies that directly contradict the scriptures. And this is why the scriptures exhort us to control what we hear. Second Corinthians 10 says, and this is the Message Bible, the world is unprincipled. Would we agree? It's dog-eat-dog -dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way, never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing, say demolishing, that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God-given tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Messiah. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building our lives of obedience into maturity. Wow, that's a mouthful and a half. And if we dwelt on that scripture verse for a minute, we would be doing well. So instead of allowing every and any random thought and philosophy to run rampant in our minds, the scripture tells us to be proactive. And I just want to say a thing to you. Just, just a thought that comes to my mind. Who do you think has your best interest at heart? The right, God, good. The university professor or your mama? Just saying. The university professor, you know, the guy that'll flunk you in a heartbeat because you didn't get the paper in in time? Or dad? Right? Which one do you think? And if you want to talk about motive, shouldn't we be a little more trusting to those people who have spent their lives nurturing us, caring for us, giving to us? at their own personal cost, doing for us and laying their lives down for us, showing us how much they love and care for us, instead of a stranger who you met yesterday, who has a wacky hairdo and a funny bow tie? You know, all professors wear bow ties, you know. See, the Bible says be proactive, and this is what it says. Philippians 4, finally, brethren, whatever is true, say true. That's the word of God. Whatever is true, say true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything praise, worthy of praise, dwell, say dwell, think on these things. Think on these things. What things? Good, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. 
think about those things, dwell on those things. So when you get an impure thought, is that on the list? No. The impure, it doesn't say impure. It doesn't say ungodly. It doesn't say scary. It says good, pure, lovely. So if thoughts come into our minds that are not lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, if it's fear, right? You're going in for a, a, a test, right, Natalie? And the enemy likes to what? Get us with fear. Natalie, when you go for that test, there's going to be curtains for you. That's what he says, right? But what happened when you went for that test, Natalie? Praise God, no cancer, clean bill of health. So Natalie could have wasted days and weeks of her life worrying and fearful and miserable and maybe even causing Fred a little sorus along the way because the enemy wants us thinking and afraid, and he wants to steal our life. But when you think about good things, hey, why should I fear? If I, I'm going to play Natalie. Sorry, Nat. If I, if, I, if I get it wrong, correct me later. Why should I think about fear and worry about this thing being cancer? Because after all, God's been so good to me. I remember it was about 25 years ago that I had fourth stage ovarian cancer. And they said, you're not gonna last but a month. You're done. <laughs> Lights out. <laughs> See you in the sweet by and by. That's what they said. But if I recall, God did a miracle in my life. And I'm here 25 years later. Alive and well doing good, enjoying my family, and loving life. So am I going to believe the fear of the enemy over the faithfulness of God? No way. I'm going to think on good thoughts, pure, lovely, excellent, the healing power of God, the faithfulness of the God that I serve who has not let me down, but has been faithful all the years long that I've served him. All right. <laughs> Oy. Thanks, Nat. You see, left to ourselves, without God and the influence of Scripture, Yeshua said in Mark, this is what he said, that which proceeds out of a man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the man's heart, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. What is it saying? That the things men think about in their hearts end up coming out. So if I'm sitting in my house all day, where am I? I'm over here in my house thinking I'm going to hurt someone today. I'm just an angry bird. I'm mad about life. Life's been unfair to me. I'm going to take something that isn't mine because after all, I deserve it. If I did that all day long, week in and week out, 
there's a pretty good likelihood that I'm going to start doing things that are going to get me in a boatload of trouble. Right? And those things are going to start to be acted out by me. So the scripture, God is telling us, be careful what you think, folks. Think about good things, wholesome things, godly things, right things. The promises that he told us are ours, healing and health and prosperity and blessings and favor and goodness and self-control that we have been given by God. Think about that. And Romans just agrees with me, I guess. Because it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Colossians 3, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. You see, here's the rub. We get to choose what we set our minds upon. I'm going to give you one more verse on this, and we're going to go into the last point. It says, for those, and you have to decide whether you're one of those, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. Anyone want a, a nice dose of death? What, no takers? You sure? The Bible says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Who wants life and peace? Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So what is he telling us? Set your heart and mind and think about the things of God. The things above. So do not let your television, hear me, iPhone, interweb, computer, friends, or Satan think for you. Rather, set your mind on true and wholesome things from the Word of God. How's that? That's going to help you. That's going to turn your life around. Number three. So lastly, we are, are we on cruise control or self-control when it comes to controlling our actions or our appetites and our desires? Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, Yeshua, bringing salvation for all people. Black, white, red, green, purple. All people, young, old, rich, poor. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, if we're teachable, training us, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, same word, ekratia, self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous, say zealous, for good works, actions, who do good things in this world, actions. Again, Shaul in 1 Corinthians 9 said, I beat my body to bring him in submission. So my body obeys me. Not that my body just does, oh, I just couldn't help myself. The devil made me do it. I couldn't help to be mean to that grocery clerk because, you know, after all, she messed up my broccoli. <laughs> couldn't help it. She deserved it. Well, that's an action we need to control. Yes. Matter of fact, Yeshua, listen, listen what he says about your body. Matthew 5. If your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it away. <laughs> wow. Trust me, I'm not signing up for that one. <laughs> I'm going to take this one in a more figurative style. But if your right eye causes you to pluck it out, throw it away. Stop your body from doing what it shouldn't do. And guys, or gals, or anyone, if you're getting in trouble on what you watch on the internet, I found this amazing thing on my computer that's probably on yours. It's a power button. <laughs> you just press it, and the whole thing go away. Just turn right down, you can't see anything out of it. You turn it off. And that's not a sin. I know this is weird in our day and age. You know, it's not a sin to be found out without your phone. <laughs> Imagine that. Man, every once in a while I leave my phone home and I think, oh man, I need my phone. Oh, thank God. That's what I say. Thank God. I don't have to worry about that thing. Binging and dinging and ringing and, you know, all the things it does to get my attention. I don't have to worry about it. You know, it's not a sin to be out and not be on social media. I want to tell you, the rabbi went dark on Facebook about three and a half years ago. So if you get anything from me, it ain't me. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I went dark three and a half years ago. You want to know why? It was more of a detriment than a blessing to my life. You know, people are nasty. They say nasty things. They don't like you post about God, they don't like this, they don't like that. Listen, I don't need that source in my life. But it's not, it's not a sin not to be on social media. Just saying. So if you're right, I cause you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, in other words, if you're doing bad actions, cut it off. I'm taking that one figurative too. <laughs> I like both hands. Balances me. I like to have both sides. But it says cut it off. What is he saying? Restrain your actions at all costs is what he's saying. Restrain your actions. I know we live in America. We think we should be able to do whatever we want to do. Brother. <laughs> That's what we think. This is America. I'm free. You know, I could walk up to someone and just pop them in the head because they're wearing one of those hats 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. Why? Because the last time I read my Bible, Yeshua wouldn't do that. He said, if your enemy, you know, smacks you in the cheek, give him the other one. Say, take that one too. It's okay. We need to control our actions. If you ever wanted to talk about actions, drive the Long Island Expressway in rush hour traffic. You take your life into your own hands. And you get a lot of mean-spirited folks out there, too, that want to, yeah, not good. You know what it likens me? I was a paramedic when I was young, when I was a young man. <laughs> I was a paramedic, and I worked in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And back in the day that I worked in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, it was when AIDS was, you know, rocking and rolling. And we were doing seven or eight heroin drug overdoses per shift. And we used Narcan like you were giving out uh, lollipops to kids in a, in a you know, <laughs> at, a, at the pediatric office. And it's the funniest thing. You would roll up to someone who is not breathing. They're in respiratory arrest. You start an IV, you give them some Narcan. You just saved their life. They start to breathe on their own. But they wake up and they want to rip your throat out of your body because you just blew their $5 high. And they get violent and nasty. So I learned after my first one, tie them down first. <laughs> I made sure those straps were cranked as tight as I could get them. Then you wake them up. And yeah, they're not very happy with you. But yeah, but you don't get hurt. And the point is, there's a lot of people that are kind of like that in the world. They're kind of pent up inside. And it comes out in all sorts of ways. And sometimes those people are even believers. Because we're frustrated about this, that, and the other thing. Let's face it, we live, the scripture says we're not of this world, but we do live in this world. And if we don't tap into the self-control God has given us, we could be just like them, out of control. And sometimes people point at the community of faith and say, I don't want to be a believer because of the actions I see displayed by those people. Friend, that should never be said of us, ever. Hear me. And what does that boil down to? Being in control. Remember we said that the word self-control means to be a master over every aspect of your life. Your tongue, your thoughts, and your actions. No, you don't have to respond by cutting the guy off because he cut you off. <laughs> So that means if you're tempted to look at something you shouldn't or do something you shouldn't, that you can turn away or run away. And I'm going to give you one scriptural example of controlling your actions. Ready? And it's found in Bereshit chapter 39. And now you know where I'm going. 
So now Yosef, Joseph, was well-built and handsome. Joseph was a stud, okay? Joseph had it going on. He was a ladies' man. And they noticed Joseph. In time, the day came when his master's wife took a look at Joseph and said, sleep with me. Uh-oh. But he refused, saying to his master's wife, look. <laughs> He's from New York, obviously. Look. <laughs> look, because my master has me, he doesn't know what's going on in this house. He has put all his possessions in my charge. In this house, I am his equal. He hasn't withheld anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? But she kept pressing him. She wanted Joseph. She said, I'm going to get you, son. And day after day after day, she was going after him. But nevertheless, he didn't listen to her. He refused to sleep with her or even be with her. However, one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men living in the house was indoors, she grabbed him by his robe and said, sleep with me. But this is what he did. He didn't say, you caught me. You caught me. Okay, I'll yield. You got me. No. What does it say he did? He fled. He ran. He got out of Dodge. He said, I ain't sticking around here. I'm not. This is what I'm going to do with my actions. I'm going to turn tail. And I'm out of here. And I ain't getting in trouble. And I'm not going to get God mad at me by doing that wicked thing. And I'm heading for the hills. Now, unfortunately, she ended up with his cape. And she, we know how the story goes. But that's an example of exercising control over our actions. He was a grown man. He knew he, all he had to do is go the other way. And he did it. And here, or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, exercise control over your actions. So we are in control of our lives. Say it. Say, I am in control of my life. Say, I am the master of my own ship. God has given you and me self-control so that we can be who he's calling us to be. It is our responsibility to take the tools that he has given us and use them for his glory and his purposes. So the law, it says, was never meant, because the end of that verse, to conclude our series, says because there is no law, right, against such things. You see, the law was never meant for people who demonstrate these qualities because they're living out the law by demonstrating these qualities. And so the law, for instance, you know where it says another place in the word of God that the law was made for lawbreakers. 
Because if you're a law-abiding citizen, you don't really think much about the law, do you? You wake up, you don't really say, oh, I'm afraid of the police officer, right? I'm not afraid of the police officer. Hey, police officer. <laughs> you wait to the police, I'm not afraid. But if I'm breaking the law, then I become afraid of the police officer. Well, if I'm doing all of these things and exhibiting these virtues, then I'm already obeying the law. So the law, right, will do no harm to me. So are you on cruise control or self-control when it comes to controlling your tongue Controlling your thoughts and controlling your actions. Ask yourself that question. Are you in control? There it is. Fruits of the Spirit. That one's a big one. Save the best for last. Are you in control? of your tongue, your thoughts, and your actions. Let's stand on our feet. This is what we're going to do. We're going to ask the folks that normally pray to come. And if you need, listen to me, you came here today, right? You got dressed. If you were like me, you were up early, too early, earlier than you wanted to be up. But you got ready, you got dressed, you had a cup of coffee and you got out to the service. Why would you leave this service if you have something going on in your life that you need prayer for? So if you have anything in your life, whether it pertains to this message or not, come forward and let one of these fine folks pray with you and agree with you for that thing, okay? So don't leave if you have something going on. Come to these folks and get prayer. But think about this message, folks. Think about, reread, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. And ask yourself, is the love of God flowing out of my life and into others? Is the joy of God putting a spring in my step? Is the peace of God that surpasses understanding God in my heart, so on and so forth? Am I living a self-controlled life in every area? Once you answer that question, it's easy. If you need some, you go to God. And you yield to God. And if you don't, Baruch Hashem, praise God. Keep doing what you're doing. So let's conclude in prayer. Bow your hearts and do a little business. Take a minute to do a little business with God over what you heard today. See, God, thanks that I'm doing so awesome in this area. I got so much self-control that I don't know what to do. But if that's not you, then say, God, help me with self-control. Okay? Whatever the case may be. So, Father, I just pray for each one, God, that your favor, your blessing, your strength would be upon them. God, that you would help them in every area of their life. Lord, that they would be empowered, God, to, to, to live out these virtues of the fruits of your Ruach in their lives, God, that they would be blessed in every conceivable way. And Father, we speak it over their lives in the name of Yeshua. Let me say the ironic blessing, and if you have to go or you want to go, you could go. But if you need prayer, please, please stay and get prayer.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We ask it for Shem Yeshua, Mishikenu Haben Adonai Tzikenu, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of God, our righteousness. Amen. Okay, guys, if you need prayer, please get it. God